we haven't met yet, my name is Dustin, one of the pastors here. And uh, thanks for uh, you guys that decorated up here for the start of our Advent and the start of this week. It's uh, awesome. So uh, thank you for making it happen up here on the stage. Um, Adam uh, and his family are on their way back from celebrating Thanksgiving, and he was, uh, this week we were kind of walking through uh, where he was going to hide the kids' Christmas presents in their new place because he didn't, he just wasn't familiar. He had a place in his old place, and so this one, they were trying to brainstorm, and I was like, well, Adam, um, you know we're going to have presents all over the stage. You could just wrap your kids' presents and put them on the stage, and they'll never know. And then, like, Christmas morning, you could just say, okay, let's go over to the church building, and then they would be, so I don't think he did that, but uh, that would be awesome. His kids were like, we don't have any presents. Oh, yes, we do. (laughs) They're all over the church stage. You've been staring at them for four weeks. (laughs) Go ahead and grab some scripture. Uh, we're going to dive in here in a minute. If uh, you want to pull it up on uh, the Bible app, uh, QR code is up there. Uh, you can uh, get it, whatever kind of copy is helpful for you of the scriptures. But I want to start this morning with a little bit of conversation with someone around you. I've done something like this before, but it's been a couple of Christmases and you likely don't remember. And so let's do it again. I want you to take a second with someone around you and tell, it won't take very long, reminisce and think of one of your favorite Christmas presents that you've ever gotten uh, in the past. Maybe it's one from childhood, maybe it's one from last year, but take a second with someone around you, brainstorm. It doesn't have to be your all-time favorite, just one of your favorite Christmas presents you've ever received. Ready, go. All right, let's regroup here. I, I thought I would bring along this morning one of my favorite Christmas presents. I don't know if it's the favorite Christmas present, but uh, it was uh, it's probably about 35 years ago or so. I received, uh, yeah, that's a lot of years. I received um, one of my favorite uh, Christmas presents, 
And I actually, uh, there uh, one I may use here in a couple of weeks, one of my other favorite Christmas presents. But this morning, I'll show you one of my favorite Christmas presents from about 35 years ago. Uh, I remember really wanting this one thing for Christmas and uh, about 11 years old or so. And I uh, opened the presents that were under the tree, and I knew going into Christmas morning that none of the presents that were wrapped were shaped like what I thought this one should be shaped like. And so I uh, opened the presents, and um, there was uh, one last present. After we had opened all the presents, there was one last present my dad had kind of hidden in a different part of the room because he knew the size of the present would give away the present. And so... Uh, I'll show you what it is. This was... <laughs> and yeah, if you've seen the movies, it, it was real life for me. And uh, this is uh, not a Red Rider. Uh, this is a 788 BB Scout. And I love the name, of course. Uh, and... Um, this, uh, so this came uh, with uh, cheap kind of plastic stock um, and pump on it. And my dad, uh, he's uh, great uh, with woodworking. And so he made this uh, out of uh, really nice wood and replaced the, um, the plastic uh, cheap kind of stuff. And it's, it's pretty banged up now. It's been on a lot of trips out in the woods as a kid and... Uh, Shot things I know I'm, I'm certain of I, that I shouldn't have shot. And, um, but uh, I decided this morning uh, that I would just ask Blair back in the back to put his coffee cup on his head. <laughs> I'll just put this thing to action. Um, if you're uneasy with guns, it's not loaded. It just takes BBs anyway. Um, but that was one of my favorite gifts growing up, and although uh, gift giving is commonplace this time of year, it's common in settings like this to talk about gifts, it's one of the most powerful images of the Advent season. And as we were thinking through uh, what we would do this Christmas season and thinking about gifts of Christmas, again, we were thinking, ah, is it just too cliche? Is it just too overdone? And we just kept coming back to, well, Christ is the ultimate gift. How can we just think that that's just too cliche to talk about Christ being the ultimate gift? Because He is. But there are other gifts of Advent that were offered, and that's what this series is about. Gifts of Christmas. The Christmas season in general just seems to ooze with joy, with happiness, with fun, with merriment, with nostalgia, even as I pulled out my gift from 35 years ago, good food, familiar carols, times with family and friends, a merry Christmas for everyone, except that it's not a merry Christmas for everyone, right? It may even be quite the opposite of merriment that you're feeling or experiencing. Already as we're getting into the holiday season, as we've celebrated kind of the entry into the holiday season this last week, and if we're honest, I would guess that 
more than just a few of us struggle with a gap in the holiday season. And here's what I mean. There's a gap between the idealized Christmas over here and the real holiday experiences of sadness, of loss, of anxiety, of fatigue, of resentment. Even as you see other people in their merriment, so to speak, right? Grief. Financial pressure, right? Even as the time creeps up to the holidays of like, oh man, how am I going to do this this year? How am I going to fill the expectation that certain people have or family members have on the amount of money that you're supposed to spend? Financial pressure. Separation. Which is fresh for me, just having our first one go off to college. We thankfully got to see him this week, but that's a real feeling. We set up the Christmas tree first time without him around, and so there was separation, right? There's this weirdness of like, this is not quite right. Everybody that's supposed to be here is not here, and then you just talk about even just the loneliness, right? Just the loneliness that some of us feel over the holidays. One author says this, Christmas can carry a dark cloud of sadness, a sadness that never seems to let up and is only exacerbated by the happiness swirling around you. Well, it may help us in these moments to know this. Darkness and pain were central features in the gospel accounts of Jesus' arrival in Bethlehem. Not, not just in the periphery like we like to think they are, but they were central features. Darkness and pain, central features in the gospel accounts of Jesus' arrival in Bethlehem. How easily we forget this among the vast array of quaint nativity scenes, right? Because in the nativity scenes that we see laid out, The darkness and pains just often not represented in those, right? Like the 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 even the facial expressions, if you if you get the nativity scenes that are so detailed that you can see like the facial expressions, uh, like what are the facial expressions usually on everybody's face? I mean, right? I mean, we don't, we don't know what it was like, uh, but it's regular for newborns to cry a lot. I'm not sure how silent of a night it really was, right? And we forget the pain and the darkness that was associated with that time. Here's the setting for Jesus' arrival in Bethlehem. If you need a little refresher on the pain and darkness that was going on, the, what, would, what the backdrop was, so to speak, and what some of the things even Mary and Joseph were experiencing. The backdrop, Israel was occupied and oppressed by a foreign army. God's people were burdened by heavy taxation at the hands of the occupying force. And when it comes to Mary and Joseph, there were a few things we often forget and need to be reminded of. On some level, 
there was an unexpected and maybe even an unwanted pregnancy. I mean, we, we know Mary's joy and we know her trust in the Lord, but even thinking through at least what Joseph must have felt and in those first few moments of, of hearing the details of what was happening, Mary and Joseph, their relationship was certainly on the rocks as they wrestled through what the court of public opinion would have to say about them, about their situation. There was fear and anxiety of the unknown. Anybody identify with that? There was discouragement. There was loneliness. Embarrassment. Even Mary and Joseph feeling like they didn't measure up. Later in the story, we often forget this detail. This isn't portrayed in any nativity scenes. As King Herod tried to eliminate the Messiah, all the baby boys in the region of Bethlehem were murdered. We don't talk about that very often, right? We have lots of mothers mourning their murdered sons. And that's just a sampling of the darkness and pain we see around the events of Jesus' birth. And so if you're feeling that direction, just remember that as you see the swirling of joy and lights and festivity around you, know that the account in the Scriptures is a little different. Turn to Luke chapter 2. That's where we're going to start. We'll be in Luke chapter 2 first and then eventually end up in a couple of different passages. Luke chapter 2 verse 25 is where I want us to start. And I want us to read this passage with a few people around us, and then I'll read the others as we get to those. But this first one I want you to read. It's a little more of a narrative kind of section. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32 is what you're going to read. Chapter 2, verses 25 through 32. You'll see a character introduced in verse 25 named Simeon, and you'll see some words he has to say about this Messiah who's just arrived on the scene in Jesus the Christ. And so Luke chapter 2 verses 25 through 32, take a moment, read that with a couple of people around you. And, uh, and as you finish reading, if I haven't started us up again here, just point out something that you thought was interesting and listen for descriptions of who this Messiah will be and what he will do according to Simeon. And so Luke chapter 2, 25 through 32, ready, go.
Okay, let's go ahead and regroup here. You guys just read verses 25 through 32, and Simeon said a couple of things about this Jesus. I love in verse 20, I want to point out two things he says specifically about Jesus in the context of the pain and darkness associated with what the context was of of which Jesus arrived, and then placing that over whatever pain and darkness we may experience over the holidays here. And so look at verse 25 specifically. It says that this Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Preached on this a couple of years ago. Consolation of Israel. And at the time, and preaching through this for the first time a couple of years ago, this was fresh for me because I had heard this word associated with Jesus, the consolation of Israel, but I don't think I put the whole picture together. Root word in the English, of course, is console, right? Consolation. To console. He will console Israel, which means there's some kind of pain or lack of comfort going on that Jesus would be a consolation. Because the only, the only background I had for the word of consolation was when you're in a sports tournament and you lose and you go to the what bracket? Doesn't that make it sound really wimpy now? (laughs) The people that need to be consoled because they lost, they go to the consolation bracket. It's like if you called it the comfort bracket. (laughs) Right? I don't ever want to be in a consolation bracket again in anything, right? Just get this imagery that, oh, we lost. We go to the consolation bracket. I'm so puny. And yet, this word for Jesus, that He'll be the consolation for His people, the comfort for His people. Look down in verse 32. So not only will He be a comfort, will He be a consolation, He'll be light. Consolation, comfort, and light. This is who Jesus will be. Church, how does God address our pain and our darkness? He provides comfort and light through Christ. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. No Christmas series is complete until you go to Isaiah chapter 9, so I just thought I'd throw it in right here on the front end. Isaiah chapter 9, I want to read verse 2. See, this passage is about the coming Messiah, given hundreds of years before Jesus would arrive on the scene, and it includes a powerful imagery of what this coming Messiah would accomplish. He would be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting, you can say it, Father A prince of what? Peace. But in verse 2, we get more clarity. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. 
what I just read is in verse 6, but if we back up to verse 2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. And I love the imagery there. This is one of my favorite Christmas verses uh, that, that often gets overlooked. And I love how it references even two different kinds of people there. And so even when we're talking about our darkness that we, that we may find ourselves in the midst of, we may describe it in two different ways. First one, we may describe it as just a season of darkness that we're walking through, right? We, we understand there's going to be an end in sight at some point where, where we're going to enter into more light or we're going to be in less darkness at some point. It's more of a season we're walking through. People who walk in darkness, some of us who feel like we're walking in darkness, says they have seen a great light. The next group goes a little, little deeper. Those who dwelt in a land of deep. Darkness. Some of you feel like it's not just a season you're walking through, but a place where you're living. And I love the imagery. It talks about this coming Messiah would be light. Light in the darkness. Light for those who are walking through season of darkness. Lightness for those who feel like they're dwelling in a land of Deep darkness. Church, may the light of Christ, who He is and what He's done, shine on you today, right in the midst of your pain and your darkness. Bringing you a gift that only He can give. Comfort. Consolation. Christian martyr Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it like this, and this should be encouraging to you. If you feel like, yeah, that's me, Dustin. You're talking about me. I'm walking through this season of darkness. Uh, all the things you talked about, some of those ring true. Anxiety, loneliness, separation, all those things. Listen to what he says. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. And I just want to read that again because as you see that gap between what holidays are supposed to be, everything swirling around you and, like, and where you are and that gap in between and you feel like, I just can't celebrate like I'm supposed to over here because I'm actually over here. This is good news for you. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. May I offer this? It's one of my favorite Christmas quotes here. I've used it here before. It's been helpful for me and helpful for some of you as well. Whatever darkness you face this Christmas, it is not the final word in your life. It may be lifelong. It may feel like it will never let up. It may threaten to undo you at times. And it is real. But we can grieve this holiday with hope that one day the baby who came in a manger will bring ultimate and everlasting comfort. Wipe every tear from our eyes 
and make His blessings flow for us forever. By a guy named Scotty Smith. So we have this gift of comfort we've been given in Christ. If we're going back to this theme of gifts of Christmas, if we're going back to this, we have this gift we've been given in Christ of comfort. But see, it's not a gift that we keep for ourselves. It's a gift that we're supposed to re-gift. Anybody ever re-gifted anything before? (laughs) Usually, you re-gift something that you either had two of or didn't really want, right? (laughs) You get something, as soon as you unwrap it, you're like, oh, thanks. I love it. (laughs) And in your head, you're already thinking of, yes, I can give it to that person who I don't have a gift for yet because I don't really like this that much, or I already have two of these. But see, this regifting is different. This regifting of this gift of comfort is different. It's not because it's a gift we didn't want or need, as if we receive comfort in Christ and we go, ah, I'm pretty swell. I don't really think I need this, and so I'm just going to give it to somebody else. It's different than that. It's not that kind of re-gifting, but this kind of re-gifting is because the gift is just so good. Some of you love to read. Some of you don't love to read. Some of you more movie people, right? Whatever it is, you may be able to identify when you've read a really good book. And you just can't wait to share it with somebody, right? And even as you're reading through, you get about halfway through and you're like, oh, it's so good. So-and-so would love this. I know just who this book is going to be good for. I'm going to send them a copy or I'm going to give them this copy, right? Or you see a movie or a new TV show and you're like, ah, oh, this is so good. And then it's in your conversation, right? Next time you hang out with someone and conversation turns to the latest TV shows or movies, you're like, oh man, I've got one you've got to see. It's that kind of re-gifting that what we're talking about here with this gift of Advent, this gift of comfort specifically. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. This will be the last passage we look at here. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. What exactly are we supposed to do with this gift of comfort we've been given in Christ? Once we've received this gift, there's this element of re-gifting that should come into play at some point. And this is not somehow to pay off the gift or not somehow to earn something. It's just the outflow of what happens when we've been given Christ who is our comfort. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Paul says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Not just some comfort, right? 
Not just comfort for the, for the little things in life, but comfort for everything. All comfort. Well, I wonder if the comfort that Christ is and the comfort that Christ brings is enough for me because of what I've walked through. Paul just answered it. All comfort. Verse 4. Who comforts us in all our affliction. Key words there. And then we get a so that. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. This gift that's intended to be re-gifted. What a beautiful picture there, right? And I want to point out two things as we get down here to the bottom of our time. Two things to be mindful of when we think about the comfort we receive in Christ and this idea that it's a gift that's to be re-gifted. Think about this. Number one, God's main tool or conduit for people receiving comfort is you. Did you catch that? God's main tool or His main conduit through which His comfort flows is you. Be mindful of this and be ready and willing to dole out comfort as He provides opportunity. Because He will. If you have eyes to see it, this coming week there will be opportunities He places in front of you where you see someone who obviously needs the comfort of Christ. And as we've received Christ through gift, we offer Him, right? We offer Him as a gift to those we see walking through darkness, maybe living in deep darkness. Two, God's main tool or conduit for giving you comfort comes from other Christians, from the church, right? Did you see that? And so I would offer this, be around. Don't disconnect from the conduit of comfort. See, when you remove yourself from consistent connection with the church, you're severing the main conduit through which he uses to comfort you. I wonder if we can see that in the scriptures. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So church family, if you're walking in darkness and pain this Christmas season, hear this from the prophet Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. And I would add, therefore, bask in the light and comfort of Christ today. Allow the message of the cross 
to remind you of His great compassion for you. Allow the truth of the resurrection to remind you of His great power and authority regardless of what you're walking through today. May Christ be our comfort and our light right in the midst of our pain and our darkness. He is enough. He is sufficient. Let's go to Him in prayer. give you just a moment to connect with him in prayer to process the things that he may have shown you in the word today Lord, we thank you that we have the freedom to come to you as we are this morning. As we're getting here to the point where we're realizing we don't have to play some kind of charade and pretend like there's lots of merriment in our lives if there's really not. That we can come to you in our pain and darkness realizing that you are comfort and you are light those are not just things Jesus that you bring but that is who you are we thank you that in the darkness and death of which we resided Jesus that you while we were yet sinners, stepped in, paid the price for us, Jesus, you in our place. And then in victory, Jesus, you came out of the grave and you now live your life through us as believers. Jesus, you comfort and light within us. We thank You for that. We are grateful for that. And yet the circumstances of our lives may still be dark and painful. And Jesus, while You don't always promise in the here and now to eliminate the darkness and the pain from our lives, you do promise to be light and comfort in the midst of them. Jesus, we confess that you are enough. That you are the ultimate gift. Jesus, we thank you for your body broken, your blood shed for us on the cross, and we thank you for your victory in your resurrection. Even as we celebrate you, coming on the scene in bodily form 
We know your face was set like a flint to Jerusalem to the cross. We celebrate that now as well. Lord, we pray these things in your name alone. Amen.